shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What is good, fam? Welcome back to another episode of the Human Hope Podcast, episode nine to be exact, with your host, Carlos Sendik, with Google Sponsor Bocabello, or Los for short. And listen, uh, last week I asked you guys to hop on my IG and let me see if you could say my name correctly. Now, unfortunately, nobody said it correctly enough for me to play it. So let's try it again. But this time I'm going to slow things down for all of you. The full name, very slowly. Repeat after me. Go ahead. Every single time I say a word, you repeat it. Ready? It is Carlos, Enrique, Whitaker, Guzman, Archibol, Cabello. You got it? That's it. Or listen, if you want to add your like Southern non-Latino accent, just do it this way. Ready? Carlos, Enrique, Whitaker, Guzman, Archibald, Cabello. All right. So, I mean, like you can do it one way or the other. Uh, nonetheless, I'm here. And if you got my name down, next time you see me, I want you to come up to me. Don't call me Low Sweat. Call me by my full six names. That's how I'm going to know that we have a absolute and true connection. Speaking of last week's podcast episode, y'all got some opinions on the man, the myth, the legend, John Eldridge. And I, I, it wouldn't be uh, me if I didn't come back and address uh, some of those opinions. Now, the bulk of the opinions that were, uh, that I was hearing had a lot to do with his teachings, say 15, 20 years ago, uh, especially his teachings on masculinity and femininity, somehow affecting you negatively. So as you, as you know, as your friend, as the hope dealer, Carlos, I need you to let, I need to let you know that, 
all of your feelings are valid. All of them. All of your stories are valid. And some person could hear his teaching and hear it one way. And another person could hear his teaching and hear it another way. Because I was, I was actually getting that from a lot of your DMs uh, and emails. And I just, I need to let you know that I hear you. And I want to acknowledge the fact that um, there could have been pastors or youth leaders or teachers that took his teachings and taught them in a way that was damaging to you. And so I, I apologize if any of that was triggered. Now, what I won't apologize for is for um, my, my story. <laughs> and my story is one that his teachings have actually propelled me in my faith and propelled me um, to, to change my life. Literally, my life has been changed because of the way that man has taught me to pray. So knowing that both can exist at the same place at the same time, I think is, is healthy. Um, knowing, and what I appreciate is that some of you guys that are like, I just can't do it. Like I can't listen to that podcast because I was so negatively impacted, uh, by his teachings. Guess what? What I appreciate so much is that you guys simply, you just didn't listen to it. You didn't unsubscribe. No, you just didn't listen to it. And you, you came back this week. So I I just want to say round of applause for all of you doing what you needed to do, uh, to say, stay safe, um, to, for your own mental health, for your own spiritual health. Um, and I also want to also thank those of you that, that emailed me or DM me and let me know how much it did mean to you and how, how positive his teachings have, have had an effect on you. So that is the beauty of humanity, right? That we are different humans with different needs, different constructs, and those needs and constructs all um, display themselves in various forms that we can all coexist with somebody, you're coexisting with somebody who probably is a lot different than you, yet we are still coexisting. And not only coexisting, hopefully we're uh, encouraging and edifying and loving each other through that. So I just want to let you guys know that I, I heard you and I appreciate it. And as more guests hop on the show, there's going to be more that those of you that love one guest are going to hate the next. Okay. Um, I've got, I've got a guest coming up in a few weeks that it's going to take a lot of Actually, it's probably going to take this podcast in order to get you to a place where you can listen <laughs> to that podcast. And now, why do I say that? Well, it's because this podcast in particular, we are going to be talking about how to have difficult and how to navigate difficult conversations with people that you love. I mean, you can even take what I'm going to talk about today and apply it to people that you don't love. Okay. Just difficult conversations in general. But what I really want to lean into today are those conversations that we may have been having or we will have, or we have had with people that we love, people that are in our lives, people that we used to love, those relationships have been split. Those relationships have been damaged because the conversation um, accelerated in heat to the point where that relationship doesn't exist anymore for some of us. Or some of you, you may just be ignoring the relationship. It may just be, you know, like now birthday parties and you talk about the weather. Man, who... Who on planet Earth just wants to talk about with the weather with people that you love, that you've been in a relationship for so long with? That, that's, not, that, that's not it. That's not living. That's just existing. And so I'm here to tell you that the conversations that are waiting for you on the backside of this podcast, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you some simple tools. Listen, I'm not a, I'm not a therapist. Uh, I'm just a guy that loves navigating hard conversations. I, I want to let you know that on the other side of you ignoring these conversations and relationships is full 
intimate life with people that you are supposed to be in intimate relationship with. Uh, You're supposed to be that. So don't just ignore it. That's the worst thing that you can do. What I want you to do is prepare your heart to have some difficult conversations that although they may be difficult while you're going through the conversation on the backside of it is going to be life. Full lived in life. Nobody wants to just exist anymore. What we need to be doing is living. And and I'm telling you what, if you want to just avoid difficult conversations the rest of your life, I, I can go ahead and tell you right now, you're not going to be living because like it, it takes risk in order to get to the part of life uh, that that I think is bountiful and plentiful and has all of the needs and and just is taking care of all of your desires. Like that goodness here on this side of the veil, right here on, on earth, that goodness, you can only get to it by risking in some difficult conversations. So you can avoid it all you want. I'm here to tell you um, the more you avoid it, the less likely to live life to the full you're going to get to. So we're going to be talking specifically about that. I can tell you all the reasons like I've been telling you the last 30 seconds, why I think it's important that you have difficult conversations. But what what I want to get to are the practical tools on how you can have these difficult conversations. So we're going to get to that in just a second, but I do want to do something that I think a lot of us need. Okay. A lot of us, man, I'm I'm watching like y'all, y'all some grumpy pants, y'all some grumpy pants up on Instagram. You are. Like everyone's like complaining about vaccines or complaining about masks or complaining about, you know, Trump or complaining about, but everyone's just complaining. Everyone's just complaining. And I'm like, you know, I had the thought earlier this week. The the truth is, hopefully, for the majority of our day, we're not spending thinking about hard and controversial topics online. Okay. If that is the majority of your job or that is the majority of what you do, get a new job or figure out a new way to live because that's not what we should be doing. We, we are spending the majority of our days just living, right? Just live it, living our lives. And I would love for us to be more intentional with the joy that comes in our lives. Okay. I think it's very joyful to laugh. So one of the things that I love to do is I love to do what I call clean jokes with Carlos. And I do these on my Instagram every so often. And what I want to do is give you guys, and you're welcome, okay? So you're welcome that you're about to be the most popular person at the end of every party you go to for the rest of 2021, because I'm going to give you five of my favorite, uh, maybe three. We'll see by the time I edit this thing. A few of my favorite clean jokes that you guys have sent to me over Instagram Live. I actually asked a couple of you guys uh, maybe it was three weeks ago to uh, deliver, like do a swipe up and leave a voice message for me on uh, on your favorite clean joke. And they were really funny ones, but I just want to be honest with you, the audio was corrupted in every single one of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, that bug has been fixed uh, in the app that I'm using now. So next time you swipe up, I promise it'll be good and I'll use your jokes. But for right now, well, why don't you guys just, just sit back, take some notes, try to remember these jokes and you can tell them today, uh, but go ahead and tell your kids these jokes. Tell your grandpa these jokes. Tell your wife, your husband these jokes. Tell your coworkers these jokes. These jokes are meant for everyone. Now, when I say clean jokes, they're not like they're, they're more like PG thir- PG fifteen. All right, PG fifteen jokes. Um, and here's a few of them for you guys. Hopefully, this will bring a smile to your face before we dive into how to navigate some difficult conversations. Here's some clean jokes with Carlos for you. Yeah. 
Hey, Carlos. Uh, my name's Jamie. I live in Austin, Texas. And I have one joke. One jo- you, one, it's just one, one joke. joke. Over and over again. This is the joke. When, when Jamie's at a party, when Jamie's around new people that have been, this is the joke you tell her. And it's like a mom joke, kind of. I mean, I'm going to own it. I'm 42. Okay. I got four teenagers. You know, yep. we live the same okay. life. Yeah, we do. We do. Mom joke. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it. Don't sing it. All right. What do you call a fish without an eye? What do you call a fish without an eye? Jamie, I don't know. What do you call a fish without an eye? Shh. <laughs> That's good. Hi, I'm from, I'm Abby. I'm from Akron. Um, Abby from Akron. My clean joke is, um, why don't ants catch COVID? Ooh, this is like a, a recent clean joke. Why don't ants catch COVID? Tell me. Because they have tiny little antibodies. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. That may, that may be the winner of the year. That was amazing. <laughs> Things have come a long way from how do you get a Kleenex to dance? Put a little boogie in it. I mean, those are the clean jokes that I knew. That, guys, I'm telling you, there's so many clean jokes. This week, follow me on Instagram at LosWit, L-O-S-W-H-I-T. I'm going to give you guys another opportunity to swipe up. And leave me a voice memo with your best clean joke. I'm going to try to do these every few weeks on the podcast or maybe every week. I've actually thought about doing an entire episode of just clean jokes. I'm telling you the serotonin levels will begin to balance and laughter. It is, it really is the best medicine I've found for myself. Um, Especially for 2020 and 2021, we need the medicine. Why? Because all we're doing is arguing with each other. All we're doing is yelling at each other. And I'm tired of you guys yelling at me. I'm tired. I'm tired of you guys yelling at me. I'm tired of yelling at people. I'm tired of yelling at my best friends who I've known for a long, long time. I'm tired of them yelling at me because we all have various opinions now. But for some reason, for some reason, 2021, here's the thing. We have, we've always had various opinions, right? We've always had opinions that differ from other people. But because of these things that we hold in our hands, these seven inches of LCD screen, suddenly everybody's opinion is right up in your face, right up in your grill. And again, this is another conversation, but we weren't created with the capacity to handle that. We weren't created with the capacity to deal with that. So what do we do? How do we deal with these conversations, especially when the starting point of the conversation is already high, like like emotions are already high, not just emotions, but the stakes are already high. The, the, the conversations we're going to be talking about today have a few um, very specific things involved. Number one, the stakes are high. Okay. Stakes are high. So stakes can be high with either it being a relationship that either is going to remain or implode. Stakes could be high for it being a work relationship where either you're going to get fired or you may have to quit. Stakes may be high uh, when, when it comes to, you know, again, you can apply this to any high stake conversation. doesn't matter what it is. But, I, but I'm dealing with, and I'm specifically focusing on the ones with people that we love about opinions, okay? So if the first thing is stakes are high, the second thing is opinions are going to vary. Okay? So all the conversations I'm talking about here, 
there's going to be a vast array of opinions. And if there's one thing we don't have a lack of, it's opinions. Okay. So number one, stakes are high. Number two, opinions vary. And number three, there are strong emotions. Okay. Everybody involved has strong emotions. And when you look at conversations that have high stakes, a various array of opinions and strong emotions, you have set yourself up for a powder keg of a conversation that has the potential to ruin a lot of things, relationships, ruin lives. So how do we do that? How do we get into these conversations and how do we have them well? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So guys, this is another one of those pen and paper podcasts. You can listen to it, but then I want you to go back and I want you to write these things down because I want you to write them down because I found out that as we write, whenever you write something, I'm not saying just type it. No, write it with a pen in a journal. When you write, there's studies that show it hardwires to your brain and then your brain to your soul in ways uh, that it just doesn't when you type things out. So grab a pen, grab your journal, sit back and let's hop into how to have and navigate these difficult conversations to where the outcome is going to be deeper and stronger relationships and more intimate relationships and relationships that allow us to live instead of hide. Here we go. Democrats, Republicans, Trumpers, Bideners, although I don't really think there's Bideners, more like anti-Trumpers, right? Um, Pro-vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, pro-maskers, anti-maskers, Black Lives Matter protesters, Blue Lives Matter defenders, all these sides, all these arguments, all these um, emotions, <laughs> and, and all these opportunities to ruin relationships um, because we are deciding, I'll just say it from the beginning, many people that have ruined relationships are deciding on an idea or a principle over a human. Now, that may be harsh to hear because you may be thinking, well, no, like my opinion has to do with a human. I'm no, I'm talking about these, these relationships. I'm talking specifically about relationships with people who we love, who disagree with our point of view on these particular policies, procedures, or ideas. And none of these conversations really happen like they're not planned. Most of these difficult conversations that we're having are spur of the moment conversations, right? Like they're, uh, you're, you're, you're at a party and everyone's chatting. And next thing you know, someone's talking about, uh, you know, I got, I got the vaccine. And the next thing you know, someone's like, oh, you got the vaccine. You got the experimental vaccine. Well, no, it's not experimental. The CDC, oh, yesterday. And then all of a sudden you feel it. You feel it rising. So th- this is where I want us to accelerate. Um, our proficiency in the conversations. Listen, any of us can like plan out, write down the 10 things we want to have in a conversation with somebody we disagree with and have a lunch and slowly begin to uncover those ideas. But that's not where most of this is happening. Most of these conversations are happening like on the fly, like your emotions rise and then it's on the fly. This is this is where we're going to get to, okay? We're going to really do two things. First of all, we're going to explore the, the tools that we use to really create the conditions of dialogue. That's that's what has to start at the beginning. So as you see emotions rise, you want to actually 
create a condition, create a runway for the conversation to take off on. Because if not, there's no runway and it's it's like crash and burn before the conversation even has an opportunity to take off. So that's the first thing we're going to do, okay? Focus on those tools to create the conditions for the dialogue. But the next thing we're going to do is actually talk about the tools for talking and listening and engaging, okay? So there's there's really two things we've got to do. We've got to create conditions that allow the the conversation jet to take off but then once it's taken off, we've got to have the tools to actually fly the conversation. And that's what we're going to be doing. And just so uh, so you guys know, like where I have developed most of my um, capacity and ability to handle hard conversations has been in therapy. <laughs> okay. So I have just, I've been in a lot <laughs> of therapy. I am just like Mr. 20 years of therapy guy. I got a lot of tools and I'm just, the, I just happen to be the therapy guy that's been the therapy that uses them. And when I use them, I'm like, Hey, look, it works like that. that so listen, I'm a big, big believer in therapy. But the second thing is about 20 years ago, I think it was, yeah, it was about 20 years ago, maybe even more than that. My boss gave us a book called Crucial Conversations. The, he, he actually paid us a hundred bucks to finish it. He actually paid the spouses and the employees a hundred bucks if they read the book. Let me tell you, I didn't read the book, but my spouse did. <laughs> then once I saw that she got a hundred bucks, I was like, I'm going to read it too. So I read it. And this book called Crucial Conversations, it was actually a really boring book. Like it was very um, corporate-y, whatever. Like I, I mean, some people may be into it, whatever. But the tools in it, I still use them today. So I'll be talking about a lot of those tools as well. So those are kind of like my two places and spaces that I've developed my affinity for wanting to be in hard conversations and handle them with grace. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to it. Tool number one. Seek your soul. Seek your soul. What do I mean by that? You got to start with your own heart. You've got to start with your own ethos, with your North Star in the conversation. Like right at the beginning, when things start getting heated, you have to start with your own soul. You have to start with your own heart. Because if you don't start there, no matter what the conversation is, you're going to immediately go to what the conversation doesn't need to be. And that is a debate. Okay. If you're looking for to have a debate with somebody, then you're not looking um, to move the needle forward in a relationship. You, you, you have to understand that. Um, we're not trying to have debates here. If, if that's what you're trying to have, then I'm, I want to let you know right now, you're not going to fix or you're not going to um, save the relationship. That's why it has to be a conversation, not a debate. But again, a debate is you know the form of communication that we've grown up with. Like when things get tense, it turns into a debate, right? And then so debate is almost like a form of um, of defense is is what we want to do when we debate. We're not trying to debate here. So go ahead and lop that big one off. If if you're like I want to debate somebody so that they can see that I'm right so that then we can move forward with the relationship. Nope, that's not it. 
That's not, that's not what you're trying to do. You're not trying to debate somebody. Now that's again, something that we've tried to do, but then there's the opposite that happens. If we don't start with your own soul, if you don't seek your own soul, you'll either go into debate mode or you'll go into like silent treatment mode, right? Where you're just like, oh, forget it. I'm just, I'm just not going to talk. I'm just going to be quiet. Oh, oh my gosh. The amount of times that I've done this in my own marriage, <laughs> thinking that somehow, you know what? If I just say ignore Heather for the three hour drive that it's going to take because we had an argument over um, why I am not, uh, I don't fill up the gas when it gets below a quarter tank and the emotions start rising. And I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to look out the window and not talk to her. Wow really mature Carlos, but that, that's where we go, right? We go to debate. We go to silent treatment. You go to manipulation. You go to criticism. You go to all the things that aren't healthy. What we've got to do and how we can get away from those things is start with your own soul. Seek your own soul. Find your North star. Find the thing inside of you that you know is going to not distract you from, from, from hopping left or right, not distract you from engaging in debate. So put it this way. You want to start these high intensity conversations with your soul. And when that happens, then you're going to stay focused, like no matter what, no matter what, no matter when they start um, attacking you, no matter when they start debating you, no matter when they start silent treatment, treatmenting you no matter when when like their plans of attack start coming towards you 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 can you can stay firm because you've got the north star right you've got the purpose you've got your heart you've got exactly the question is like what do you really want out of the conversation if you can keep going back to that what do i want out of the conversation what is it that i really want then you're going to avoid resorting to uh, wanting to punish them or wanting to be right or wanting to win, right? You don't want, you're not, you're not trying to win a conversation. <laughs> the point of a conversation isn't winning. <laughs> the point of a conversation is moving towards each other. Okay. So we want to avoid trying to win or to again, punish or do any of these things. How do we do that? We got to know what we really want. We've got to know what you really want for three, three things. Ready? What do you really want for yourself? Big question. Big one. What do you really want for them? Okay, for them. Not not for you and them. That's coming in a second. But for them. And then what do you really want for the relationship? Right? Like, like, like those three questions. If you can find your soul and in your soul, when you find out what you want for yourself, find out what is it you want for them and then what you want for the relationship. Now you can move forward. Okay. Now you can, you can realize that when your, uh, when your soul gets hijacked by your brain <laughs> and when your brain, um, sends, uh, the signals to your heart to start pumping more blood and then the, your face starts getting red and the emotions start to heighten. No. What do I want for myself? What do I want for them? And what do I want for the relationship? I mean, just right there, we could stop the podcast right now. You guys could have those three conversations. And if you can, uh, those three questions, and if you can jump into any difficult conversation that you have asking those three questions, I promise you, you're not going to deviate. You're not going to deviate in the conversation. And the deviations are where we get into trouble, right? Well, the deviations are where we literally will, um, we'll, we'll, we'll go backwards, 
Um, what are some of the what are some of the deviations? Well, of course, like wanting to win, wanting to win is going to destroy any semblance of a healing conversation. We, you you got to realize that the desire to win in any conversation is will always drive you away from your north star, drive you away from having healing happen in the relationship. I, I tell I tell people this all the time. You know, when they're like, well, Carlos, how can I, how can I remain in relationship with this person who every time we have a conversation about a difficult thing, like they, they, they always think that they're right. And they always tell me that I'm wrong. And you, I just, you know, I'm going to give up. I don't want to be in the relationship with them. And now what I need you to know is that I don't think that we need to land in some like middle space in order for these conversations to, to be valuable. The goal of the conversation isn't like the middle ground. Like the goal isn't just to end up in some like middle section of being a centrist in whatever conversation that you're having. This last week on the Oscars, Tyler Perry gave a great speech about meeting in the middle. Uh, we Meet me in the middle. Uh, let's rise above hate. Let's rise above hate uh, of, you know, the LGBTQ community or hating black people or hating white people or hating, you know, he, he's let's meet in the middle. He kept saying, and like, although like I, I can appreciate the, um, the intention of the thought and probably more than the, of the, than the intention of the thought, I can appreciate the thought in and of itself. I actually don't think that the goal needs to be to meet in the middle. I, I think that we've got very strong opinions and beliefs about certain things that we don't need to move to the middle in order to save a relationship. The goal of, uh, of these hard conversations in relationship isn't to meet in the middle. You, know, you hear that all the time, like, well, just meet me in the middle. No, 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 no. The, the goal isn't to meet in the middle. The goal is for, for you to begin with these three questions. And when you begin with these three questions, what do I want for myself, for them, and for the relationship? Gosh, now you don't have to meet in the middle. Now you can actually go all the way to where they're at. Now, I'm not saying uh, agree with where they're at, but you can walk all the way up to where they're at. And when you're finally where they're at and you're standing there and they're like, I can't believe you came over here to talk to me. When I say over here, I mean like over into um, the depths of their opinion, like, like asking like, oh, well, like what about their opinion is true? What about what they're saying is right? What about um, what they're saying is true to their heart? When they start hearing you care about their opinion, when they start hearing you care about um, what, why this affects them so much, that means that you have gone all the way up to them. And when you've gone all the way up to them, I'm telling you, they're, they're going to be, the conversation is going to be so much more healing, so much more healing. You know, I know not everybody here is, is a Christian. I know, you know, we've got various faith backgrounds, but there is a story in the Bible that I, I believe talks about this, um, about really kind of going, not meeting in the middle, like not being like, meet me in the middle and everything's going to be fine. No, like you can actually, you know, walk all the way over to where somebody's at. They can walk all the way to where you're at you, and, and you can stand your ground when it comes to believe, standing up for something you believe in. But remembering that the relationship is more important than your opinion, that the relationship is more important than your stance. And this scripture is, um, is a story of one of Jesus's disciples, Philip, he was, it, it's in, it's in the book of Acts. I think it's chapter eight. I may be wrong, but um, he is woken up 
by an angel and he's told by this angel to go down this dirt road. So he starts going down a dirt road, you know, normal day for some dude in the Bible, going down a dirt road. And then he sees this Ethiopian Enoch and the Ethiopian Enoch is uh, riding down in his chariot and his, and the, and the horse is taking him down to wherever he's going. He's actually leaving Jerusalem where he just spent his time trying to worship. And he's in the, he's, he's in the, um, in the chariot reading uh, this, this uh, old Testament prophet. Okay. And he's reading the book of Isaiah. And I need to let you know something about an Enoch. The, the Enoch, okay, is um, the servant of a queen and he's from Ethiopia. So he's a, actually a different race than Philip, okay? Uh, and so not only is he a servant of, a, of the queen from another country, but Enochs were all castrated so that they could focus their sole attention to the queen. Now, so not only is he a deviant when it comes to his race, but he's also a deviant sexually because homeboy is castrated. So just so you know, like, like Enoch's weren't like the people that people were hanging out with and talking to. They were outcasts. They were deviants. Well, Philip is, is, sees the Enoch and then the angel or the spirit tells Philip again, go up to his chariot. So now here's the deal. This is what I want us to get to in this little part here. Philip actually goes up to the Enoch's chariot. Okay. And then he asks the Enoch what he's doing. Enoch's like, Hey, I'm reading, I'm reading Isaiah. Uh, and Philip said, yo, I know about that. Then Enoch invites him into the chariot. This is what I need you to see. Is Philip not only went up to the chariot, but he got in the chariot. He was, he was so concerned. He was asking the, the question, what do I really want for the Enoch? Well, what I want for the Enoch is for him to understand the scripture. So what do I have to do? I have to go up to him and get in his chariot. But so many of us, what we're doing in these crucial conversations is we're wanting the people that we're having the conversation with to come to our chariot. We're wanting them to come to us. Now, let me tell you in that story, he ended up, you know, um, uh, telling the Enoch all about Jesus and then the Enoch was baptized and then the Enoch went on his way. That never would have happened had Philip not gone up to the Enoch's chariot instead of saying, yo, Enoch, get off your chariot and come to me. You see, the North Star. These are crucial, crucial parts of these conversations. Sometimes in these conversations, you're going to have to go up to their chariot. I know. I know. I know. Listen, that, that's going to be hard. What, what, what does that mean? What, what does that mean? Let, let's, let's just get like blatant for a second. Going up to somebody else's chariot is going to look like if you have a Blue Lives Matter sticker on the back of your car. And like you're all in, right? Like you're back the blue. Like you're, you're like super police. Super police. Is that even something, whatever, you, you're like a super backer of, of law enforcement, which is great, which honestly should be all of us. But then you're also like, you know what? Black Lives Matter people, they just hate police. First of all, you're wrong. Second of all, you need to go up to the chariot of a Black Lives Matter supporter. Yep. That means you got to get off your Blue Lives Matter chariot and walk over to the Black Lives Matter chariot, which happens to be at a rally or at a march in front of a courthouse somewhere where they're fighting with everything inside of them with righteous indignation to see that black lives matter in America today. Guess what? You've got to go up to their chariot. Their chariot is at the march. I, I guess that means you got to go to the march. Okay. How about the other side? How about, you know, defund the policers, black lives matter activists. First of all, you have to understand if you're listening to this and you're always like, why do people want to like take all the money from the police? They defund the police doesn't mean what you think it means. Okay. So we can do a whole other podcast on that. But if you are a defund the policer, Black Lives Matter, guess what? You've got to go find the chariot 
of especially if um, you're having a crucial conversation with somebody that believes 100% that Black Lives Matter people are, uh, you know, um, socialist Marxists want to ruin families, uh, the 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 structure of the nuclear family in America. Like you know that people, you know that's what they're saying, right? Like that's what they're saying. You actually have to go all the way up to their chariot, to the Blue Lives Matter chariot, to the police officer's chariot, and get in the chariot. Like, get in it. What does that mean? Like, really find out what is it that they really want? What is it that their soul really needs? You're going to have to get in there. That means you're going to have to, like, get uncomfortable. But what we, the problem is, is that in these hard conversations, we just want to stand our ground and we don't want to walk up to other people's chariots. If you're truly, if you truly care about the relationship, this is the hard part because both parties don't have to, um, normally both parties aren't like this self-aware. So it's always going to be you, whatever side of whatever issue you're on, you are going to have to make a decision to walk up to their chariot and to get in their chariot. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And you're going to be like, Carlos, I don't think I can do it. Well, guess what? You got to. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to do this, you're going to have to do the hard things. Okay. So enough of that mini sermon. Go get in their chariot. Stop wanting to win. Stop wanting to kind of get the cheap way out of these conversations. Walk up to their chariot. Okay. So remember when these conversations get hard, you want to seek your soul. The only person that you're able, the only person's emotions that you're able to directly control is your own. And then remember, if you find yourself moving towards um, an outcome, not even an outcome, a behavior that you don't like, which again, is either going to be, as Crucial Conversations calls it, silence or violence. That's, that's normally the way we end up going. We're either like silent, like I'm done, or violence, I'm going to destroy you. Okay, if you find yourself kind of going towards those things, remember, ask yourself these things. What does my behavior tell me about what my motives are? You can always tell like when you've changed path from like the goal, your North star, when you start seeing, Oh, my behavior is now defending myself. Am I defending myself? Cause if I'm defending myself, I'm I've now moved away from my North star. So ask yourself, what's my behavior telling me about where I'm heading? And then also keep clarifying. What do I want for myself, for them and for the relationship? And then I'd, I'd also say, don't, if you find yourself getting to the point where you're thinking about winning and losing it's moved from a conversation to a debate. If you're thinking about winning and losing, you've moved, you've left conversation land, like healing land, and you've ended up in um, winning and losing land. Like you've ended up in debate land. You've ended up in, I will destroy you and I will leave with a uh, trophy land. That's not the point. The point isn't to win or lose. The point is to move closer. All right, so if the first step is going to be seeking your soul when it comes to these hard conversations, the second one, I'm going to call it this, build a shelter. That's right, build a shelter. Now, why do we need shelters? Well, to keep us safe, to keep us away from the elements, to keep us away from the hail. If you're in Nashville today, because it's, it actually hailed, to keep us away from lightning, from tornadoes, from all the things out there, the scary things that um, may destroy our lives or our relationships. So how do we build a shelter um, in these conversations? Well, we've we've got to remember this. When someone is inside of a shelter, when somebody is inside, say there's a storm outside and they're inside, 
like they they feel completely safe. They feel able to do whatever they want. There there could be a thunderstorm outside, uh, but since you're inside this this structure, this shelter that you built, you're just watching TV. You're just going through TikTok. Like everything is fine and um, nobody's stressed. Now you may be a little stressed because you know there's a storm going on outside, but because you're in this shelter the stress level is lower than if you are exposed to the elements. So that's what we've got to do next is we've got to build a protective shelter over the conversation, over the person who you're having the conversation with and yourself. Because if if there is shelter, then it doesn't matter what's being discussed because there's going to be two things here. The first thing is what's being discussed. That's going to add to the intensity of the conversation. And the second thing is what's happening in response to being, uh, to what's being discussed. So what I love about the shelter idea is when you build a shelter, it doesn't matter what's being discussed, that they, they, people are going to feel safe enough to have the conversation. So what's this going to look like? How in the world are we going to build this shelter? This is what you got to do. As you're building the shelter, lay the foundation with this, okay? You have to make sure that the foundation that you're, you're watching for any sort of turning point in the conversation when it comes to who you're talking to. One of my friends, I had this crucial conversation with them a couple of weeks ago and I could literally see his neck getting red starting like from his collar. And then the more we talked, I saw it go higher and then higher. And then his chin got red, then his cheeks got red, then his forehead got red. I could see the physical manifestation of him not feeling sheltered. <laughs> okay. So the second you start seeing that, the second you spot it, you, you can stop it right there and be like, okay, hey, listen, um, I, I don't know if you feel safe right now. I'd love to, I, I'd, I'd love to make this safe for you. How can, I, how can I make this safe for you? How awkward is it to stop a conversation in the middle of it and ask that question? Super. How necessary is it? Super. So do it. If they start making fun of you. Okay, this happens to me all the time in my DMs. Uh, someone calls, calls me like a, uh, a clown leftist or something like that. I'm like, okay. I got it. I'm, I'm watching uh, that you don't feel safe. Okay. Uh, they make, if they're sarcastic, sarcasm definitely is a way uh, that people handle not feeling safe. And so when that happens, instead of responding back with more of the same, what I would say is to get curious about it. Start asking yourself, okay, what, uh, what about the conversation that just happened is making them not feel safe enough to where they have to um, lash out like this. And sometimes you can even ask them, First of all, spot the turning point. Second of all, make sure that you're watching for um, them not feeling safe. And then thirdly, like watch for one of the two big ones to see if they're moving one of two directions. And the two directions that um, typically happen in these intense conversations is silence or violence. I talked about this a few minutes ago. Um, silence in particular like, like is withholding meaning from the conversation. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're completely silent and like shutting off, but it's just withholding meaning from the conversation or violence, which is the opposite of that. They're trying to force meaning into the conversation. Okay. Like that's, that's a little bit easier to spot. So once we've built the runway or the airplane and now we're taking off and we're in the air and we're flying. Now we've got to make, now's when the conversation happens. Now is when we get to the nitty gritty of the conversation. Um, again, the nitty gritty of these conversations are built on safety. But how do we make the engagement safe? 
Well, we've got to make the content safe. And how do we do that? There has to be a common purpose. So what's the common purpose in the conversation? Remember, it's not a debate, it's a conversation. If it's a conversation, there should be a common purpose. If you can find a common purpose and mutual respect, this, I'm telling you, like already you guys are like, I can't do it. (laughs) I can't do it because this is impossible. How can I respect somebody that believes blank, 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 blank? How can I respect somebody that that doesn't believe blank, 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 blank? Well, I get I guess I guess you got to work on your own humanity for a second because the truth is you should be able to have mutual respect, even with somebody that you vehemently disagree politically with. Okay. If you can't get to mutual respect, you know, I'm I'm not a therapist, so you gotta go, you gotta go do some more therapy to work on yourself. But I promise you, it is possible. And it actually is not only possible, it's essential. Common purpose, mutual respect. Common pers- purpose. Well, what's that look like? Well, what, what, what are your goals and what are their goals? Let's, let's, let's just take me, for example. I have hard conversations with a lot of people that I'm friends with that believe very differently than I do. When we start off with a common purpose, it always accelerates our conversation towards healing. And towards deeper intimacy. I've got police officer friends who know that I am very outspoken when it comes to wanting police officers to um, treat everybody better, even better than they think they should be treated, right? So like, like I'm like a death penalty advocate. Like I'm already outspoken on like treating the least of these with, with love. So I would like to see police brutality decrease. And my police officer friends want to be able to do their job without feeling as if I'm going to critique every moment because I'm not a cop. And so therefore, like, I don't know the heightened sense of whatever it takes to do their job. And they just want to do it. They want to do it well. So we, we actually have found a common purpose. We both want police officers to do their jobs well. There is our common purpose. There it is. We want, I want police. I don't want police officers to go away. I want them to do it well. And so if that's the beginning of the common purpose, now we can move towards the end of a very crucial conversation that I believe can have an impact on both of our lives. So there's a common purpose. And then there's mutual respect. There's got to be respect, okay? If you walk in and you're disrespecting, if you're calling someone a libtard, if you're calling someone that's a conservative, just they're, they're racist if they voted for Trump, if you're like, like you're already, there's already not mutual respect there. So guess what? You can't have the conversation. You actually have to find what makes you similar. What makes you similar? Again, that could be found in the purpose, right? As a police officer conversations I have with my police officer friends, what makes us similar is A, we're both human and B, we both want police officers to do their job well. So that that makes us similar. That's a common purpose. When those things are safe, the conversation can go forward. Whatever it may be, vaccines, masks, anything, find a common purpose and find mutual respect. When those things happen, and you may be, you may, I'm, I'm not here to do the work for you to find those things. You're going to have to do that on your own. But I promise you in every conversation, there is a common purpose and mutual respect. And when those things happen, I'm telling you, when you find those things, now that's the next step. That's the next step in having these hard conversations. The purpose of having, the purpose of this podcast isn't to make hard conversations easy. No, it's to give you the tools to have them, Right. So if you're thinking like, man, this is, this is too hard, Carlos. Yeah, 
This is too hard. This is hard. That's the whole point. It's not going to get easier. It's just going to give you tools to do it, to do the hard work. Make it safe. Okay, so understanding that you've you've like built the airplane and now you're flying along, but something's been said and you're triggered. Oh my gosh. Oh, there they they just threw out that uh, landmine of a headline that I know that they read from whatever pundits um, website or Twitter account, and they're just they're just quoting their the people that they listen to every day on the radio, and now they're they're, they're attacking me. Step number four: control your emotions. That that what we have to understand is we are in charge of our own emotions. Well, like, and our emotions are simply. Um, they're, they're us telling ourselves a story is what our emotions are. Our emotions are, are led by the story that we're telling ourselves. So I guess you could look at it this way. Instead of saying control your emotions, be in charge of your story, be in charge of your own story. Ask yourself, what is the story that's happening here? Um, now, now inside of being in charge of your own story, there's actually like a tool that I love to use when it comes to being in charge of my own story. It's it's been, it's called various things online and I've used it in therapy various, various times, but it's retracing your path to action. So when I say that, I mean, what I like to do whenever I get triggered, so say it could be a conversation with, so I'll, we'll just go back to the election. And, um, I am saying that I voted for Biden and somebody suddenly says, oh, you know, you are, uh, you must be for uh, killing babies. And I'm like, why? And suddenly I'm like, Whoosh. and I'm like, oh, I'm not for killing babies. Let me tell you what you're for. You're for racism. You're for, you know, right? So suddenly I am, I am no longer in control of my emotions. I'm no longer. Or, yeah, I mean, whatever your, your side of whatever thing is, just what triggers you, right? Um, and how do you retrace your path to action? This is what you do. So, once I'm triggered and I react, I've got to ex- look at my behavior. So, and you, I promise you, you can actually do this very quickly inside of a conversation. So say you're triggered, say they say something, say your neck starts to get red and you're about to react. Okay. Before you even react, you can examine your behavior. Okay. What am I about to do? Oh, I'm about to defend and lash out. So that, that is my behavior. So then you take, you say, you find your behavior. You can literally do this in a nanosecond. I promise just takes practice. Then you identify the feeling that comes with that behavior. Why am I reacting with violence? Well, because I feel judged. Oh, boom. Got it. So you feel judged. So what's really your feeling? Well, I'm embarrassed. Okay. I'm embarrassed. So why are you embarrassed? So you move from examining your behavior to identify your feelings to why are you embarrassed? What is the story you're telling yourself? Right? Why why are you embarrassed? Well, the, the story I think that's being read here, I, I think the story that I'm telling you is like, I'm for abortion. I'm for, again, I'm just, I'm giving an example here, but like, I'm, I'm for this. And so like that, that story that I'm telling myself is getting into the feeling that I may be embarrassed, which is leading into an action that I want to be violent. So then I move back from the story to actually examine the facts. When the facts are, well, no, I'm not for abortion. I'm not pro, I'm pro old life. I'm pro-life womb to tomb. So if that's the facts, suddenly, and this took me 30 seconds to explain now, but in a nanosecond, I can get back to the truth. And the truth is, no, 
that that's actually not me. That's actually not why I voted for Biden. So I'm suddenly calm again. And it takes retracing your path to action over and over again. I promise you guys, this this feels so, and this, this is something in therapy that really, really, really helped me. Retracing your path to action is something that can be practiced and you can get better at it. Okay, so let's talk about this one more time as you're controlling your emotions, okay? Examine your behavior once things go crazy and you're like, ah, examine it. And then identify your feelings once you examine the behavior. What feelings are causing the behavior? Then what story are you telling yourself that's bringing those feelings about? And then examine the facts so you can stop telling yourself the story. And that's just a quick way to diffuse yourself, to diffuse you in the situation. Most of, the, most of what I'm going to be telling you guys has actually nothing to do with the other person. I know you maybe want like five steps to make this person not an idiot. No, that's not the goal. The goal is for you. The safer you are for somebody, the likelier of healing the relationship is going to have. The safer you are for somebody, the more likely they are to start seeing things maybe somewhat in a way that you see things. The, the more um, control that you have over yourself in these conversations, I'm telling you, really the more control you're going to have over them. Because when you're in control, they're going to be in more control too. Sorry, but that's just, I mean, it is what it is. All right. The next step in these conversations um, that hopefully will lead to healing is to share your stories. To share your stories. Now, what we have to remember is stories are, are exactly that. Stories aren't facts, okay? Your story isn't a fact to them. It's just simply your story. Their story isn't a fact to you. It's just simply their story. So what, what you need to do is you need to share your story, like what is it, and then also ask them their story. Literally, as they share their story, repeat it back to them, like trace their path to action like go backwards with them. Like, oh, okay. So the reason why you believe so um, intimately in this, intently, intensely in this is because, and repeat it back to them because everybody has a point of view because it's, there is, there's some either trauma. Most, most of the time it is trauma that has led them towards their passionate belief in something. So state it, yourself included. Okay. State your story, let them state theirs. And then after you trace your path for them, trace their path and, and acknowledge their emotions in it. I mean, repeat back to them. These are simple things that you can do. If you're in a conversation with somebody politically and, and they're telling you that they believe America um, is, you know, should, should be better because of this and that, like lean into that, like bring none of your story into it when it comes to asking them about theirs. Sure, share yours. But then when they start sharing theirs, lean into their story. Ask them two or three questions every single time they, they say something. You know, I'm back when, you know, when I was growing up in the 80s, uh, Atlanta was like this and there was just a lot less crime. Oh, actually, really? Like, um, what, what part of town were you living? Oh, I was living in Decatur. Oh, I could totally, I totally get that. Tell me a little bit about like anytime you, you saw crime happen, like how did that make you feel? Oh, well, listen, there was a break-in in my neighborhood. Like really engage into their story. That creates more safety and it primes them 
acknowledge their emotions, lean into it. It's going to be uncomfortable because you're going to be asking them things, hopefully with sincerity that you disagree with. But the point isn't to agree or disagree at this point. The point is to gather data, gather information, gather their story, knowing that their story isn't fact to you and your story isn't fact to them. It's simply your stories. So explore each other's stories is the next step. Remember, the point of these conversations is not to convince somebody of your opinion. The goal of these conversations is to heal the relationship. If, if, if all of these things are done, then they will feel like a human being again around you. If you're, if you're truly doing these, these things that I've asked you to do, they're going to feel seen. They're going to feel heard. And to, to kind of add a cherry to the top of these hard conversations, you literally can move um, to, to like a plan of action for each of you. I do this all the time. You know, I'm a big fan of, of listening to people that I disagree with on their podcasts or reading, following people on Twitter and social. Like, I like to know what other people are thinking, what the people that disagree with me are thinking. But that's not the, that's not the case for everybody. So, you know, sometimes, you know, I had a, a hard conversation with a friend of mine a couple weeks ago uh, about race, about racism. And they just, they kept saying, why is everything got to be, got to be about race? Why is everything got to be about race? And I tried to have a crucial conversation, a safe conversation, a hard conversation. And guess what? Like it was hard. It was taxing. It was exhausting. But at the end, the whole point, and this is what I told them, I don't need you to think like me. I don't think you to, I don't need you to believe like me. I don't need you to vote like me. I just need you to see me. See the difference? That's all that's all I wanted. <laughs> I, I actually wasn't looking for him to change his mind. But when he sees me, hopefully that's going to get him to change his mind on some things. And guess what? I started to see him see me. And so we created a plan of action. I created a plan of action where I said, hey, listen, I'm going to give me something to read that can help me understand your point of view. Not to try to change my mind because that ain't going to happen. But, but, but show, give me something to read. So he sent me a couple videos. And then I said, hey, listen, I would like you to read these two books. And I sent him two books. I said, you could listen on five times speed on audiobook and you'll still, you'll get the same result. And guess what? I read and, and listened to what he had, what he'd given me. And he read and listened to what I'd given him. And it, that moved us closer together. The goal isn't to get people to think like you. That can't be the goal. I, I mean, what a horrible goal. Who wants to live in that world where everyone thinks the same? No, but the goal is to be able to exist and have harmonious relationships with people when you vehemently disagree on hard things. And it is possible when you guys begin to see each other, see each other. Now, now, those of you that I know you're saying right now, well, I don't just want to like get along. I want them to, to think like I think. Let me tell you something. If, that, if that's the case, it's not going to happen overnight. Nobody is going to change their mind overnight. Nobody's going to change their mind in one conversation. So if you're heading over to your friend's house and you're going to have a hard conversation and your goal is just to get them to think and believe what you believe by the end of the conversation, turn around because that's not going to happen. But can I tell you something? If you continue, if you really believe in something and you continue showing up day after day, presenting your arguments with grace and love and truth and firmness, but mostly grace and love, Day after day after day after day. 
Can I tell you what's going to happen? People will begin to see things and shift their actions towards actions that you would like to see because when they see you truly because you've showed up with grace and safety, when they see you and they see that you're not after an agenda, but you're after um, them seeing you as a human, I promise you they're going to want to start doing things that make you feel seen. And when people start doing things that make other people feel seen, they start changing their behaviors. And suddenly you can, you can have a, a difference of agreement on policy, but you're, you're, you're walking with the person. I say it all the time. My friend Mike taught me this. Don't stand on issues. Walk with people. And that's all we're asking to happen in these hard conversations. We're, we're asking for us to walk together. Not to, not to come in with the point of view that we're just trying to convince somebody. That's a debate. When you stand on issues, you debate. When you walk with people, you have conversations. Don't stand on issues, walk with people. Don't debate, have conversations. Protests may change policies, but conversations change communities. That, don't make me start preaching, because that is what we're trying to get to. So, so uh, case in point, my Instagram. When I first started talking about Ahmaud Arbery over a year ago, I went from 37,000 followers to 27,000, 28,000, like in a course of 48 hours, right? I lost everybody and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've ruined my career. But the more I just kept talking with grace and love on my perspective as, as, of what America is as a black man and how I exist in America as a black man, but with grace, very strategically creating safety in these conversations, creating, you know, building this shelter around. I've, I've literally taken everything I've taught you and I've used it on social media. When you do that, you will see that people will want to have more conversations with you and you will see people's viewpoints change. I'm not trying to get people to become a Democrat. I'm trying to get people to care about and to see that the black experience in America is different than the white one. And, what, and what, that's all I want them to see. That's not a left or right thing. That's a human thing. And guess what? Because I'm approaching it as a human and not as an opinion or some debate I'm trying to win, I've seen 27, 37, 47, 57, 67, 77, 172,000 people now joining the conversation. And guess what? It's, I still say, and every time I poll, it's still 50% of people that voted differently than me. But why are they here? Because they feel safe. They know that there's a shelter because I'm seeking my soul when I'm having a conversation. Then I'm building the shelter for them. Then I'm making the conversation safe, right? Then I'm controlling my emotions. I'm trying as hard as I can in my DMs and in my in every single day in, my, in the comment section to control my emotions. And then I'm sharing my stories, but I'm also letting them share theirs, right? And then again, I'm moving it to action. Now, what has that done? I'll, I'll end with this example because I, I think... For those of you that really want to see people change their points of view on things, um, I, this is how you're going to have to do it, okay? Again, no matter what it is, it has to be one degree at a time. It can't be, it can't be a 45-degree turn. Nobody's going to do that, especially on social media. And your friends aren't going to do that. It has to be one degree. What do I mean by that? So you got, two, you got, you got a boat, right? And it's going due north. And you want that boat to end up you know, seven miles west. Well, can I tell you what, what you're not going to be able to do to, the, to their boat is to turn it to where it's going to point seven miles west and they're going to be, um, you know, they're going to be seven miles west in a day. That's not going to happen. So what do you do? What do I do? 
I'm actually just trying to move people one degree at a time. One degree, just one degree. Take your protractors back out. Remember what a degree is. Take your compasses out. I can't remember if it's a protractor or a compass that helps you with the degree things, but whatever it is. And, and, and just move, move in one degree. That's it. That, that's the whole goal. Every single day, I'm just trying to move people one degree. Why? Well, because if I can move them one degree, guess what? Over the course of seven days, guess what? They're still going to be like an inch away from where I wanted them to be, but they're going to be an inch closer to where I want them to be. And then guess what? Over the course of six months, they're not going to be an inch. They're, they may be four yards. And then guess what? Over the course of nine months, they may be now a hundred yards because of that one degree that they've moved. Because it takes that long for a boat when it's moving. If you just turn it one degree, it's going gonna, it's gonna to slowly but surely get farther and farther away from the original point that it was heading towards. But it takes time. And guess what? After a year or two years, it is going to be seven miles away. And, and you're going to realize that, that you having a conversation with somebody that just moves them one degree is going to be so much more effective than trying to have a conversation with them that moves them 45 degrees. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Guys, this, this isn't magic. This takes practice. This is taking a lot of therapy for me, a lot of practicing for me, um, but it's worked. It's absolutely worked. I am not scared to have any conversations about hard things with anybody. What I won't do, unless I want to, is step into a debate. I mean, if the purpose of it is a debate and someone I don't love, then I'll do that. But I'm not, I'm not into debates. I'm into conversations. I'm into healing conversations that can move us back to where we need to be. Not all of us in the middle. That's not where we need to be. Okay. I mean, I, again, I can appreciate you, Tyler Perry. Uh, I think I get what you're trying to say, but I don't think that the goal is for all of us to just get in the middle. I think that we need to go up to someone else's chariot get up in their chariot. And when you're in their chariot, guess what? That's going to move them one degree because they're going to feel safe with you. They're going to feel seen. I mean, whew, that's a lot. Guys, I know this was a lot. I know this was another, um, you know, feels like uh, hard conversations 101. We had empathy 101. We're going to continue to have conversations like this that I be believe can help us heal. And healing doesn't mean believing the same thing. But healing means allowing us to believe differently while loving each other. And I do believe that's possible. And I do believe we can remain passionate about the things we believe in while not destroying the relationships of those that believe differently than we do. Guys, that was a lot, um, but I'm so grateful that you guys hung in there with me. Uh, thanks. Just thank you. Um, thanks for sharing the podcast. There's, there's tens of thousands, twenties of thousands, thirties of thousands of people that are listening to this every week. And I am honored that you would trust me with your time. This is a little bit different of an episode, uh, but I'm grateful that you guys stuck it out. So now it's time to get to work, right? Now it's time to do the deed. Now it's time to, um, to take these five or six steps. I can't even remember how many I gave you guys, plug them in, put them into action and let me know, let me know how it goes. I actually have a couple voicemails I'm going to play for you guys that um, I'll, I'll answer very quickly. Um, you guys have some questions about some crucial conversations that you guys are having. And uh, let's see if we can apply a couple of these things that we've talked about directly to these conversations. So here's the first one. Hi, Carlos. This is Katie Pierce. I'm from Chicopee, Massachusetts. And I would really love to hear you speak on um, how... People like me who are somewhere in the middle between the um, abolish the police and back the blue camps, um, like how we can really 
love and support our Black loved ones who are struggling with these issues with policing and how we can balance that with um, respecting our local authority, the law enforcement officers around us. Um, So yeah, that's what I would really appreciate hearing you speak to. Katie, thanks so much for the message. Um, I love it. So here's here's the deal. This is just going to be quite simple. Um, You've got the tools now, so you can put those into place. But I I think at the end of, as long as you guys are in a safe space, you're actually not, you're not in the middle. You're, you're just really a, uh, what I'm believing is, is a normal human uh, in America. You know, I I think that what people want to do is believe um, that if somebody is supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, that means they're anti-police. And even worse than that, I, th- I think a lot of people would like to believe that black people in general um, don't like the police. But the truth is black people don't hate police officers. There's literally a Gallup poll that shows that black Americans, even black Americans who have had a negative in- experience or encounter with police, they want police presence in their neighborhoods. Three out of four black people say the recent protests are about holding people police accountable According to Pew Research, again, what what people just have to get to, where you have to get people to, is understanding that black people don't hate the police. <laughs> Defund the police doesn't mean take all the money away from the police. And so I, I think you can get there and also you can support your local police department while holding them responsible. You have to, you have to be able to do that. We, we, and, and again, we've got to remember that like police officers aren't a race. Like there's no, like a police officer can go home at night and like take off his uniform. Like black people can't go home at night and take off their black skin. So, so there's, um, you really can't, there's a false equivalency when you try to compare the two. Does that mean that you can't say I support my local police department and I support, um, people that support the black lives matter movement? Well, I mean, you can, but you have to remember that you're really talking about two different things here. So hopefully that helps. Um, you're really not in the middle. You're uh, because there is no middle. Everybody should be able to say, yes, I want to support um, the Black Lives Matter movement and my black brothers and sisters. And also I want to support my local police officers while holding them accountable and responsible for being the best they can possibly be. That may not make sense, but you're you're absolutely right. You're in the middle already um, because you're just a, you're just a good human. So continue on that journey. Thanks for the message. Hi, Carlos. I uh, would love to hear you talk about how to have conversations with family about opening up the bubble, so to speak, um, to being able to see more people, especially as adults are getting vaccinated. It's been a difficult conversation um, with lots of different opinions and feelings. And so uh, I'd love to hear somebody address this issue and um, give some advice to that. I would like to remain anonymous if that's possible. Thanks. We, We have to remember this. We have never in the history of anyone that's alive on planet earth right now, we've never come out of a pandemic before, like ever. None of us have ever come out of a pandemic. So we don't know what we're doing. And since we don't know what we're doing, I think it's okay for us to stumble a little bit. And I think it's okay for us to, um, you know, mess up. And 
stumble over some conversations. We also have access to more information than we've ever had in the history of humanity, which, which is a good thing, but it's also overwhelming. And so I just feel like it needs to be taken slowly. We are in a rush to get back to what life was like before. Not everybody is. Some people are more comfortable rushing into things than other people. The problem again lies in what you're talking about when you're in the same kind of bubble with somebody and maybe they, somebody's not vaccinated. Um, you've got older generations that are in that bubble. You want to take care of them. I just think that um, we've got to, unfortunately, we have to um, be okay with going slower than we want. And you know, that's not fun. It's not fun for everybody, for anybody, but I think that's going to be the best, the best bet. Of course, obviously you want to build that shelter, right? You want to build that runway so that the conversation can take off in a safe way. Uh, and so I think building that runway and asking them what their story is, uh, really leaning into their story and really telling them your story. And again, I think this is important, especially when it comes to vaccination stuff. And when it comes to COVID stuff, people need to remember that our stories are not facts to other people. So just remember that as you share your story and as you listen to their story, these aren't facts. These are just how we feel. And um, I, I think if we just take it slow, uh, slower than we probably want to, I think that we'll, we will end up on the other side of this um, living life to the full again. Well, guys, that was fun. Um, I mean, I got over 100 uh, voice messages, so I can't get to all of them. I'm just going to do three right now. Um, but I want to let you know that this is going to be something normal that we're going to be doing probably on the top of the show. Uh, you guys can save that website. Uh, actually, I'm going to link in the show notes the website that you guys can leave voice messages. So you can leave them whenever you want. I can go back and look in the archives and see what you guys are saying. You can either leave a clean joke. You can leave a question. Um, you can leave a topic that you'd like me to talk about. You can just say hi, whatever it is. I think this is great to pull you guys into the show. Wow. This was a lot. I know it was heavy. Um, I mean, not necessarily heavy, but it was just a lot. It felt like you were in school. Uh, and at least it felt like I was teaching. <laughs> and so I don't necessarily always love to do that, but I do feel like this is so important. So guys, take these practices, put them into play. And remember, just remember this. Don't stand on issues. Walk with people. And when you walk with people, that means you got to sometimes get up in their chariot. And that's what I'm going to be asking you guys to do. So Human Hope fam, thanks so much for hanging out with us on episode nine. Guess what? Next week is a party because we are turning 10. We are turning 10 episodes old and I can't wait. It's going to be a fun, super fun episode with lots of laughs. Trust me. Um, I got lots of stuff in store from your entire family over here at the Human Hope Podcast, which is me, myself and I, and actually the That Sounds Fun Network. Uh, I just want to say thanks for subscribing. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please do all the things that help this show get in front of other people. And Carlos Enrique Wittiger Guzman, I will see you next Thursday, 4 a.m. on episode 10 